Well, good morning, Fellowship family. It's good to see you. Would you stand with us? We find spiritual rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. His victory is our victory. So let's sing about it and celebrate that this morning. There's peace that outlasts darkness. There's hope that's in the blood. This future grace that's mine today That Jesus Christ has won So I can face tomorrow Oh, tomorrow's in your hands All I need you will provide Just like you always I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Don't know what you're doing, but I know. If you know it, I know.
Fellowship, you may be seated. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here this morning for our worship service. We are so glad that you're here this morning. And I've got a question for you. Do you ever feel like you don't know what's going on at Fellowship? Maybe out of the loop. Well, I've got some help for you this morning. We communicate through social media. We communicate up here on the stage. We communicate um, on the website. But we've also got another way we communicate with you, and that's through Fellowship News. It's an email that comes to your inbox weekly. And let me give you an example. So uh, in September, we are doing something we've never done before uh, with our community groups. And I'm going to give you a hint, but you probably want to know about it right now, don't you? I'm not going to tell you. Subscribe to Fellowship News, but I will give you a hint. It involves a time of worship and a tailgate, okay? That's all I'm going to say, but if you're interested in that, subscribe to Fellowship News. You do that, fellowshiprogers.org forward slash subscribe, and it, it comes to your inbox every week. Maybe you're already receiving it, and it's in your junk mail, so you need to pull it out of your junk mail and put it in, and, but it's just something, a way to be communicated with every week. Another example, swim night last week. Maybe you're one of the families that missed swim night, and apparently at Fellowship, we like to swim because we overwhelmed that place. I think the, I think the capacity was like 1,200. I asked them where we were at, and I said, we're over capacity. And so apparently you all like to swim, uh, but if you miss that, Fellowship News. Or if you are an aspiring artist, maybe you like Spectre, or maybe you haven't been involved in our, our art ministry here at Fellowship, and you're an aspiring artist next week in Fellowship News, there'll be some information come up about how to get connected. If you want to get connected this week, Beth Davies will be in the foyer next to the art that's displayed in the foyer. She would love to answer any questions you have about art or getting involved in that community. Speaking of Beth Davies, she's been walking around the office this week talking about this dish that she's going to prepare for the women's potluck. And apparently it's awesome. She says it's actually going to be the best dish at the women's potluck. She's guaranteed it. And so apparently, if you have a good dish, you should bring it to the women's potluck, see if it's better than Beth's. She'll be upset, but it'd be really cool. So right, women's potluck coming up, and you need to just get signed up for that. They would love to have you join them. But see, all these things will be communicated through Fellowship News, and we'd love to get you plugged in. If you are here today visiting, you would like to connect with somebody here at Fellowship, maybe this young, hip pastor on stage I will be in the foyer after the service. I would love to answer any questions you have about this church, or you can scan the QR code on the screen, or you could even just stop by the booth in the middle of the foyer. We are a church that loves to connect face-to-face -face relationally. We love to go to coffee and hear your story and tell you our story. That's the kind of place we are. It may feel big. It's actually really small. We do something called small groups. We'd love to get you plugged in. If that interests you, I'll be in the foyer, the booth in the foyer, the center of the foyer. We'd love to get you connected. Hey, we're continuing in our series called Rhythms. Today, we're focusing on what's called Sabbath. And so just in that spirit, would you just bow your heads for just a moment, close your eyes, and uh, as we move into a time of worship, and the worship team has worked really hard on this, with this worship time, as we move into a time of worship, close your eyes, and just take a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. We're going to worship the Lord together this morning. Upon a hill, a perfect Savior, upon that day, the greatest love. The punishment that should have fallen on us was upon him, upon him, upon his head, the crown of thorns, upon his tongue, broken world, the wage of sin, all the weight of our transgression. Upon him, upon him, and we can sing out Christ has died. We are forgiven in Christ with him. We are the risen, and he shall come again. Praise the King. 
upon ours, upon our hearts. His name is written, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. pouring out the song of praise together upon Him, upon Him. And we sing Christ has died. We are forgiven in Christ's With Him we are the risen And He shall come again Praise the King Praise the King Christ has, oh Christ has died We are forgiven in Christ's Was satisfied 
fellowship you can have a seat we're going to move in time uh, into a time of offering of giving and we've already sang so much about uh, what the father has given to us in and through his son and so um, if you would I'm going to read this if you would read it with me make it your prayer and then we'll move into um, a time of of giving oh father giver of all every good and perfect gift comes from you we ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son, and your Spirit. Come away from rush and hurry to the stillness of God's rest. From our vain ambitions, we come to Christ and find Come away from noise and clan, life's demands and friendly pain. Come to join the people gathered here to seek and find God's grace. In the pastures of God's grace, we lie down to from the waters of God's mercy, we drink deeply our maker at the table of God. 
God's promise. All the saints are richly filled with the oil God's atoned into service. Come then, children, with your birds. Life's confusions here Leave them at cross of Jesus. Take instead his kingdom. Bring your thirst for he will quench. He alone will satisfy. All I've known, find a time when to serve we gladly. Come away from rush and hurry to the stillness of God. From our vanishing's word, come to Christ Come to away with noise and clamor, life's demons and frenzy. Come to join people there. Thanks, Heath. Appreciate you. Hey, we're going to keep going in our rhythm series this morning where we're looking at different spiritual disciplines. And last time I was up here, I was kind of talking about the idea that spiritual disciplines are better viewed as tools rather than proofs of our faith. So they're actually tools that God has given us. And as we engage with and use those tools, it's the Holy Spirit which produces the fruit of our faith, the proof of our faith in our life. Hey, in a similar vein, I think it's important to understand that spiritual disciplines also have this idea of trying and training. And, and, and we kind of know the difference between trying and training, right? Trying is just, you're gonna go out, you're gonna give it one shot, you're just gonna try it out, see if it, see if it works. And, and so the other night, at the swim night, in fact, I went out and I tried the toilet bowl slide. And it was pretty fun. And then it seemed like someone tried to make the kiddie pool their toilet bowl. And so... We had to close that thing down twice. Did you guys know that? A lifeguard's coming out with a little goldfish uh, net looking for something in the pool. I think you know what it is. And so just for a second, hey, if that was you and your family, Sam's blamed it on the early childhood. If that was you and your family, would you stand? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Don't stand up. Hey, it happens to the best of us. We, we completely understand. We know what it is to try something. Right, training is where you're actually strategically engaging in a practice to try and make yourself better at. You're getting used to doing the activity that you're training yourself in. A marathon runner is probably a good example. You know, there aren't many people who can just get up and say, I'm gonna try and run a marathon today. In fact, I don't, I don't know people who do that. If you're someone who says in the morning, uh, yeah, I, I'll, 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 I'll get up and I'll just run a marathon today. Can I tell you something that should have been told to you a long time ago? You're weird. Like that is, that's not normal. People don't just wake up and run marathons. You actually have to train to do that, okay? And as you train, what you're doing is you're getting your body ready and capable to handle the miles that you're about to engage in at some point. See, people need to train at things. We can't just try to do everything. And I think that's true with the spiritual disciplines. We're willing to try a lot of stuff. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll go, oh yeah, that spiritual discipline, I'll give it a shot. And we go and we try it one time. And then when it feels wonky and awkward, we go, ah, I'm not doing that ever again. Confession, that is not natural to me. I'm not going back to that. Even something like fasting. I mean, by definition of what it is, it's not natural to us, but it doesn't mean that we should shy away from it. No, it's actually a practice that we have to continue to work at to discipline ourselves to engage in 
And as we do so, it might not become easier, but I think we feel the benefits more. We see what it does and we actually maybe do even enjoy it. See, the spiritual discipline that we're talking about today is one that I think is really wonky. I think it's really hard for us and I think it's one that we have to train ourselves in because today we're talking about Sabbath. And the reason I think this one is difficult is because we have no clue what that is. We have no, like the, the concept of taking a full day to Sabbath rest is completely foreign to our North American minds. Like if I said, hey, for one day, don't look at your email, people would just lose it. They're going, wait, for a day, I can't engage in work? I have to refrain from labor and work? So it doesn't make sense to us. I also think that Sabbath is a little awkward for us because a lot of times we don't even think it's for us. We go, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. Yeah, that's for people of the Jewish faith. That isn't, that isn't part of the Christian way of life. And you see, that just isn't true. Just because this is a little different, just because it's not something that's ingrained in our life, doesn't mean it's not something that we should engage in. In fact, it's a tool. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a tool that God has given us. And if it's a tool that God has given us, we would be wise to know how to use it so that through it, the Holy Spirit could continue to make the proofs within us. You see, we get the idea of Sabbath from Genesis 2. It's the story of creation, right? Where in creation, God has gone out and he's made everything. You, you, you can see it here. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We get the word for Sabbath from these words, rested. It literally means to cease, to stop, to, to rest. And if you're reading in Genesis and, and you're looking at it a little carefully, I think it's odd. You come across this word that God rested. That's an odd reality that we would have because when we think about it, God doesn't need to rest. He's not like us. He doesn't get winded. He's the type of person who can run a marathon just by waking up in the morning. He doesn't have to train to do so. And so when it says God rested here, it doesn't mean that he was out of breath, that he was tired from all his work, that he actually needed a chance to recharge before he did more. Because that's not who he is. He's the almighty, eternal, all-powerful God. You see, I think the fact that God rested is actually telling us something else. That Sabbath rest isn't about a means of being more productive. Sabbath rest is different than most kind of rests that we're used to. It's not just sleeping eight hours at night. It's not just shutting your eyes during the NFL game. Like I said, Sabbath rest isn't aimed at solely making us more productive. A Sabbath rest really isn't even aimed at ourselves. It's, it's, it's directed towards the Lord. Because Sabbath rest is the chance to actually take the focus off of us and put it on God. It's almost like the whole week as we're working, we have a mirror that we're looking into and we're looking at our deeds, our works, our ideas. And on the day of Sabbath, what we do is we set down that mirror and we can actually focus on the real one who gets stuff done. We can focus on God. And Sabbath rest is this art of always refraining from our labor and our work and at the same time remembering God's promises and God's work. In fact, I think it's at the crossroad of those two acts, refraining and remembering, that we begin to enter into Sabbath rest. So this is gonna be the simplest sermon I've done. We're gonna look at the Bible and we're gonna see how Sabbath rest is described with the art of refraining and then we're gonna see how the Bible actually describes Sabbath rest as the practice of remembering. And then we're gonna ask the question, how, how do we do this in our own lives? So let's take a look. How, how does Sabbath rest include the idea of refraining? Well, first of all, I think we see it from that Genesis 2 verse or, or, or section where it says that God rested, that he stopped and we already talked about that God didn't need to do this. This wasn't a rest that was aimed at more productivity. And so that very fact tells us something about it. You see, I think God was doing something intentional when he paused, when he stopped, when he Sabbath. Because if you remember the story, when are humans made in the Genesis account? Humans are made the day prior. 
And it's after God has made the humans that he then models for the humans the way that he has created them to live. And the way that God models life for all image bearers is that they would work and then that they would rest. Because yes, we are made in the likeness of God. As image bearers, we are like God. We we, we represent God, but we're not similar or we're not the same as him. Unlike God who didn't need to rest, we do. And in his wisdom, God modeled for us a life that is filled with rest because in it we find reprieve from the physical and mental, spiritual and emotional demands of life. You see, I think the original audience who would have been hearing this idea probably would have quickly said, wow, this God is way different than Pharaoh. Pharaoh was this dictator monarch who just put us, enslaved us and worked us to the bone and never gave us a chance to rest This God, on the other hand, is a God who calls us to share in his work, to be creative with him, but not just to work, to also rest with him. You see, refraining from labor and work within Sabbath rest does lead to reprieve. We are finite beings, and God knew that when he made us that way. He's the infinite one. And he said, I can keep going, but I need you to rest so that you can walk with me. But this act of refraining doesn't just allow us to pause, to slow. I think the act of refraining also has another aspect to it. And we see that in the Exodus story. It's actually Exodus chapter 16. It's the story about God giving manna to the people, if you can remember it, right? God has led the Israelites out of Egypt by Moses. The 10 plagues happen, the parting of the Red Sea, and then the people are in the wilderness. And they begin to say, we're hungry. And so what does God do? He provides food for them. He actually says, I'll give you manna each and every day. And it's in that story that we begin to see something. Because as God provided the manna, it's actually the people of Israel who saw it. And they said to one another, what what is this? Because they didn't know what it was. And so Moses comes to them and says, it's the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as you can eat. And so that's exactly what the people do. They begin to gather it. And some of them gathered more, some of them gathered less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever had gathered much left nothing over and whoever had gathered little had no lack. And so let's pause for a second and look at verse 18 because that is really cool. This is a story about God's provision. And whoever gathered a ton, they didn't have extra. Whoever gathered a little, they never lacked anything. This is a story about the fact that God's provision is always sufficient that what he gives to his people is enough. But some of the people didn't trust that. They were worried, wait, if he's gonna give us this bread, what if he doesn't give it to us tomorrow? And so they come up with the idea, well, let's store this stuff. I know that he said he's gonna give it to us daily, but let's keep some of it until the next morning. But Moses says, no, you're not gonna do that. Look, none of you are gonna leave it over till morning, but did they listen? No, because they're like us. And when they left it over to the morning, what happened? It actually bred worms, it says. It stank. It rotted. When the people tried to take the provision that God had given them and take it into their own hands and leave it over to the morning, it would rot. And so we can see where this story is going, right? We're talking about Sabbath. God has commanded them to gather just enough for each and every day. The problem with that is the Sabbath's coming. They're not going to be able to gather. But if they store this manna, it doesn't last. What's going to happen? Well, God actually says to them, look, it's on the sixth day, the day before the Sabbath, that you're allowed to gather twice as much as you need. Because on that day, when you gather twice as much and you leave it over to the morning, it won't rot. And so that's what happened. Moses says, lay it aside till the morning. And it won't stink. And it didn't. And it didn't breathe words. And it didn't rot. Because God was providing for their people even as they were refraining, as they obeyed his commands. And so Moses looks to them and says, see, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you the bread for two days. Remain each of you in your place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested. They Sabbath on that seventh day. Did you catch what's said right here in Exodus? Because it sticks out when you see the repetition that the Lord has given you the Sabbath that to the people he has given them their bread for two days. 
This is a story all about the provision of God and for the people in Exodus, receiving the provision of God happens by remaining from their work, refraining from their work. It's a story of God giving to his people, but the way that they receive what he gives is by choosing not to gather. This this act of refraining from their labor and work, actually going out and getting what they need, that very act was actually a practice. It was a test for them because it made them trust God refraining from going out and getting their own food, trusting that God would provide for them, made them look towards God. I actually think it postured them towards the Lord. It was a practice that made them actually put aside what they wanted to do and look to what God was going to do. It made them focus not on themselves, but on the one that they can trust. And you see, when it comes to Sabbath rest and this idea of refraining that is within Sabbath rest, I think refraining from our labor and our work, it does the same thing for us. Number one, just like Genesis, it allows us to slow down. It allows us to pause. It allows us, as we actually take a day to rest, to refuel, to recharge, to recognize that we are not infinite beings capable of continually going, but that we were made just as God intended to work and to rest. And in the same way, when we refrain from our labor and our work on a day of Sabbath, we actually force ourselves to trust God. We actually force ourselves to look to the Lord. Because I think so often what we do is say things like, well, the reason I'm at where I'm at in my career is because of what I've done. What a a, a prideful statement. Maybe you've never said that out loud, but if we really investigate ourselves, oftentimes we think that we're responsible for being where we're at in our career, in our life, with our families rather than recognizing it's very God who enables us to be where we are. Refraining from our labor and our work forces us to slow down, stop looking in the mirror and actually look at what God has done and what he's promised to do. You see, I think refraining within Sabbath rest is an act of submission. It's an act of humility that makes us focus on someone other than ourselves, someone much bigger than ourselves. But refraining isn't the only part of Sabbath rest. No, there's another part. And it's remembering. And we see that within the scriptures. It's actually as Moses is on the mountain with God, as he's talking with him, that the Lord says to Moses, hey, I want you to speak to the people of Israel. And I want you to say, above all, you're gonna keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. God's talking with Moses on the mountain And he's telling Moses, you need to go tell the people to keep the Sabbath. But the reason that God says the people of Israel are to keep the Sabbaths is because it's a sign of a promise. For the people of Israel here, uh, practicing the Sabbath each and every week was a means of remembering the promise that God had made them, which was to sanctify them, was to, to set them apart, to walk with them, to be with them. And so each and every week, the people would engage in the Sabbath, not for legalism, but in an act to remember the promise that God had made to them. And they didn't just remember the promise that God had made to them, but we also see as as Moses is giving the commandments of God to the people, he says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has suggested to you. No, as the Lord your God has uh, hoped that you would do. No, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall not labor and you shall not do your work or you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord. And then he gives the reason why. Because on the Sabbath day, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You see, remembering did something. In in Sabbath rest, the people remembered the promises of God. But here in Deuteronomy, Moses says that when you Sabbath, you don't just remember the promise of God. You remember the very works of God. Keeping the Sabbath was the means of remembering that God worked on behalf of the people. In fact, for these people, it would have been the salvific work of God in their life. They were remembering that God delivered them from Egypt, that they didn't walk out of Egypt on their own. God guided them that they didn't cross the sea by themselves, that God actually split the waters. Sabbathing for the people here in Deuteronomy was the very means of remembering not their deeds, but God's. Remembering that it is God who works in their life, not them who get stuff done. 
And you see, when, when we Sabbath rest and in that refrain and remember, I think it allows us to do the same thing. That pausing for a day each and every week allows us to remember the promises of God. That he is actually the one who is close to us. He's not a distant God. He's not a God who set things in motion and walked away, but he's a God who set things in motion and when we walked away, he made promises to never leave us. We get to remember the beauty that we have a God who has promised us. But not only do we get to remember his promises, we also get to remember his works. We get to remember all the ways that the Lord has come through for us, that he's guided us, that he's walked with us. The, the Israelites would have probably remembered the salvific work of God freeing them from the Egyptians. We get to remember the salvific work of Christ on the cross. That he actually lived the life we couldn't. He died the death we deserve and he rose to new life that we might too. You see, when we Sabbath rest, we get to remember. And remembering God's promises and his work is too an act of submission. It's an act of humility. It's us setting down that mirror so that we can actually focus on the Lord and what he has done rather than what we do. You know, if you're like me, oftentimes I'll get done with the week and I'll begin to look at all that happened and I'll say, look, Chris, look at all that we have done. Taking a day of Sabbath to remember the Lord's work actually enables me to go, look, Carissa, look at what the Lord has done. That's what Sabbath rest is about. Refraining, remembering, pausing, stopping. But how would we do that? How do we Sabbath rest? Because to be honest, I think, I think Sabbath of all the spiritual disciplines is one of the easiest ones to run to legalism. I do. And I mean, for example, if you've ever been to a place that has a, a large Jewish population, maybe Jerusalem or, or the Holy Land, they actually have things there called Sabbath lifts. Have you ever heard of this? A Sabbath elevator. Because in the Jewish faith, it would be breaking the Sabbath. It would be against the law to get into an elevator on the Sabbath day and push the button of the floor that you want to go to. That would be working. And so they've made these elevators that actually open up at every single floor and, and, and close. So you, you, just, you don't have to go in and push a button. The elevator opens up. You get on. It goes to the next floor. It opens up. You can stay on or you can get off. It then goes to the next floor, all the way up and down the building. Because what that does is it enables the people not to have to engage in work. If you're asking me, that sounds a little legalistic. Like when I think about that idea and what Jesus says when he says man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man, those two ideas kind of stand in contradiction, in my opinion. But you know, I don't think our problem is that we legalize the Sabbath day. I think our problem is that we completely neglect it. We, we don't take the command to keep the Sabbath holy and try and do our very best to honor that. We actually hear the command and go, no, nope, not for me. And we completely walk away saying, I don't need that. I don't do that. That's not for me. God's grace is actually sufficient, so I don't have to do that. When in reality, it's not a plea for God's grace. It's actually an abuse of God's grace. We're looking at it going, no, nope, I don't need it. See, I actually think that's pride. Because what we do when we neglect the Sabbath is we say we're capable of going at the speed that we think we're capable of going at. That I can do whatever I want. It's not God who made me with intention. It's me who decides what I'm going to do. And we say it's not about what God has done in my life. It's about what I get done in my life. Neglecting the Sabbath is an act of pride that I am guilty of. That I'm convicted by. You see, I had a buddy in college. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman. And, and throughout that year, he mentored me. And I, I remember as he was talking one time, that he said, yeah, Saturday is my Sabbath. And so I, I, I began to ask him, what does that look like for you? He was a really bright student, unbelievably smart, and, and really driven in his schoolwork. And so he began to describe to me what each Saturday looked like for him, uh, especially in the fall. He, he, he would wake up in the morning, and he'd do a quiet time. He'd spend some time with the Lord, just going slow. And then after doing his quiet time, what he would do is he would watch college football. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'm in for that Sabbath. That's, that's what I want. But he would watch college football because it was enjoyable to him. It was refreshing to him. It was restful for him. And yet he would also refrain from doing schoolwork. Again, I'm like, sign me up for that. 
But the difference between he and I is that this man was smart. He was driven. And so it was actually difficult for him to refrain from trying to get ahead in his studies. All of Saturday, he wouldn't do any schoolwork. He'd spend time with the Lord. He'd watch college football. And then that night, he and his roommates would always make dinner together. And as they made dinner and as they ate it, they would sit at their table and they would talk about two things, what they're thankful for and the ways they've seen the Lord work in their lives that week. That's what he would do. He'd do a quiet time, he'd watch college football, he wouldn't do his homework, and he'd eat dinner with his roommates, remembering what the Lord had done. And I get it, even as I was thinking about telling this, I imagine you're going, okay, cool, Caleb, yeah, that guy's a college student. He doesn't have a family, he doesn't have a career, he doesn't have three kids that are on mediocre travel baseball teams, he doesn't have all the things that we have, right? And he didn't. You're right, he didn't. But you know what he did have? The discipline to refrain and to remember. What would that look like for you? To find a day each week where you refrain from your labor and work so that you can remember God's labor and his work. You see, I actually think it's built into our, 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 our rhythm a little bit. I mean, you all are here, so you've expressed in some form that, that church attendance is, is part of your weekly rhythm. And, and hopefully we've set up these services in this place to be a Sabbath rest type of place for you, where you could refrain from engaging in some of your other work and you could actually remember the very work of God. But, but for a second, can I just address something um, because I know sometimes Sundays are a little more stressful than they are restful. I know what it's like to drop off kids around this place. And let me just correct myself. My wife really knows what it is like to drop off kids all around this church. And it's tough to get them up, to get them ready, to get the hair going, to get the clothes on, to get out the door, to be on time, to do all this stuff. But guess what? Today of all days isn't the day to be perfect. It's actually the day to focus on the one who is perfect. Today isn't the day to be so worried about being on time and being just right because we get to focus about the one who did everything on time and is just right for us. You see, I would hope that this would be a place that we could all together corporately just take a breath and go, we don't have to be put together here because we're actually remembering the one who carries us along and the one who has gone before us and worked on our behalf. You see, I'm gonna call the band up here uh, and as they come, I, I want us to think about that idea. What would it look like for Sundays to be more restful than it is stressful for you and your family? Think about that idea. What would it look like for you guys to actually set your schedule up in a way that you could refrain from certain things so that you can remember the things of God? Because that's what a Sabbath is about. And I actually think one of the practices that we do on Sunday mornings that, that is part of this Sabbath rest is we sing. And Psalm 92 actually says that it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name, O Most High. We don't just sing because we think it's fun. We sing because it's good. It's part of our rhythm of Sabbathing. And while we sing, what we actually do is we refrain from our own life for a bit and we remember God's. And if you've never done that, I'm gonna tell you, it, it's powerful. It's life-giving to actually focus on someone else rather than yourself and to focus on Christ. And so that's what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna sing. But before you begin to pack up on the day of Sabbath rest, let's, we're talking about that, let's just go a little slower. Don't run out of here. Because we're gonna sing a song, but then after that, I'm gonna come back out. And I, I want us to run through a practice. I want us to try something. But what I'd ask is that as we get ready to sing this song, that you take a moment and that you'd actually ask the Lord to help you with the distractions of this life, whether it be work, mowing the, the yard, whatever it is you need to get done. Could we take a second and could we refrain from going there and could we remember what the Lord has gotten done? And could we admit that it is God who is our daily bread? It's he who sustains us. It's he who is the one who enables us to walk through our, this life. Not our own gifts, not our own talents, but the very one who has made us.
You see, we, we, we serve a God who's a little different than the way this world works. We serve a God who wants us to work, but he wants us to rest, and it's in him we find that rest. Would you sing with us?
I talked about some of, the, some of these spiritual disciplines needing to be things that we train ourselves in rather than just try once. And I think Sabbath is one of those. Like if we were to just say, hey, starting next week, I, every week for the rest of the year, I'm gonna find 24 hours to refrain from work and remember God. That's a pretty lofty goal. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. But it might be better to start a little smaller and just say, hey, next week after church, we as a family, we're gonna take an hour. And over lunch, we're gonna conversate about the ways that God has worked in our life. I think that's a great goal. The next month, make it two. Find things and, and, and grow into this process of Sabbath resting. That's what the, God, what the Lord has made you for. And so I wanna give you a practice that maybe you could grow into a little bit. And so if you would, would you throw this slide up here that has breathe in and, and breathe out? I, I want us to practice a breath prayer. This is something the church has been doing forever. We're gonna do it with the, the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And so what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna pray through this list, the fruit of the Spirit, and as I do so, I'm gonna ask you to breathe in. And then in opposite of that, we're gonna breathe out what you might call the fruit of the flesh. And again, there's nothing magic about our breath here, but what we're doing is we're actually physically slowing ourselves as we spiritually do the same thing to remember who God is. And so I'll say something like, Lord, we breathe in your love. Just take in a deep breath and we breathe out our hate. So would you pray with me? Well, Father, we take this moment right now and we breathe in your love, knowing that it is your love that guides us in this life. And, and Father, we breathe out our hatred. Any part that might be filled with hate, God, we give it to you, breathing in your joy knowing that true joy comes from you, Lord, not from what we do, but from you. And so we breathe out any anger. We give that to you, Lord, that we might breathe in your peace, knowing that peace comes from being present with you and you're a God who wants to be present with us. We breathe out our anxiety, the worries of this world that capture us so easily, we give them to you. Jesus, we breathe in your patience, and we breathe out discontentment. Father, we breathe in your kindness, offering you our thoughtlessness as we breathe it out. We breathe in your goodness. And here we pause and breathe out our pride. We breathe in your faithfulness, Lord. Breathing out our unbelief, Jesus, help us overcome our unbelief. We breathe in your gentleness. Thank you for being a God who's gentle with us. We breathe out our short tempers. And Lord, we breathe in your self-control. Breathing out our lack of discipline, our indiscipline. Jesus, would you be the one that we find rest in this week? Would you help us to refrain for some aspect today of our labor and our work that we might remember yours, Lord? And in doing so, be crafted into your image more and more into your likeness by your spirit, worshiping you, demonstrating you to this world. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, Fellowship, thanks for joining us this morning. We love you. We're so glad you're here. Hey, if you need more prayer, we'd love to pray with you in the prayer room over here or find somebody. We Don't walk out of here if you need prayer. We would love to talk with you. We'll see you all next week.